perfect comic timing. Who says you have to be in the same room? Right. <laughs> uh, just years of practice of being an annoying cunt. Hello and welcome to the Omcast. My name is Dom. There's one half of the Omcast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. All right. All right. All right. In this episode, we're talking about the new franchise reboot slash sequel, Ghostbusters Afterlife, starring McKenna Grace, Finn Wolfhard, Paul Rudd, and Carrie Coon, and directed by Jason Reitman. Yes. Yes. So it's finally here. Ghostbusters Afterlife. So this is the, yeah, the, the new second attempt at a reboot. Um, obviously, we talked about the previous movies uh, last week. We talked not only about the, the classic um, 80s movies, uh, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, we also talked about the 2016 um, Ghostbusters uh, with Melissa McCarthy, uh, which was their first attempt at doing something new with this franchise. Um, that obviously went down particularly badly. Um, and you, you can listen back to our previous episode about why we think that might have been. Um, yeah. And they've now decided they did another one. So they basically they've done a complete fresh start almost in terms of not referencing that 2016 one. And this one very much is just a sequel to the original films. Um, yes. and it's set in modern day. So the idea is sort of 30 years later, but then it picks up the story and does a new thing with it. Um, so much. And there's a lot of, um, sort of parallels in terms of the production of it. Like, yeah, the director, Jason Reitman is the son of Ivan Reitman who directed the first two movies. Um, yeah. so there's a lot of legacy going on in this film. Um, and that's really what it's all about. Really. It's about legacy. Um, and it's called Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, but before we get into the specifics of what it all is, what did you think, Tom? I fucking loved it. I know you did. I know you did. I fucking loved it. <laughs> I know you you were sat next, I was sat next to you at the cinema and I could tell, like particularly at the end as well, you're like, yeah, you you had a great time, didn't you? Yep. I fucking loved it. I was beaming throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant time. Um, it's not without its faults, but for me, that's it's exactly what it needed to be for a sequel to Ghostbusters from the 80s yeah fair enough like yeah i can see some like i know there are some like very high profile critics of it out there um and there are people that have got you know issues with it and you know like we've said in previously like the weaponized nostalgia and blah 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 but fucking loved it every single second not a thing about that film did i not enjoy at the time and only in hindsight have I gone, well, maybe that didn't work so well, but yeah. Um I just had a brilliant time doing it. Okay. Yeah. So that's the uh, yeah, I was really interested because I knew that, yeah, obviously I could tell that you really enjoyed it, but we haven't really spoken about it since. Um, but as we talked about before, you're kind of target demographic for this big time as yeah. a sort of original Ghostbusters fan. Um I have less of, of an attachment to it. Um, just because of sort of, yeah, the, 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 the slight age gap between you and I, uh, it was something that sort of mm. passed me by when I was a kid and I discovered it later on. Um, but I still, yeah, have, very much have an appreciation for that, particularly the, the first original movie is yeah. an absolute stone cold classic and revisiting it last week was amazing. Um, so I don't think the nostalgia elements of it didn't really bother me too much. I didn't feel, I didn't think it like, cause I remember talking about it before saying I was worried it was going to be too many member berries. Um, and that's what a lot of people have criticized it for. I don't think I really have a problem with that. I thought it was fine. 
um yeah. and you do get a lot of the you know it's the idea is that you get these kids discovering all the old ghostbusters stuff so you know discovering the ecto one and discover figuring out how to use a proton pack um but they're not just any proton pack or ecto or you know car it's the the car and the equipment from yeah. the original ghostbusters but like that didn't it felt it was story driven enough that it didn't just feel like fan service for me he was cool um, yeah, that's what I really enjoyed. Is it, it everything about it felt organic? Everything about it felt natural. Yeah, up to a point. Um, I think there is there's a couple of things in the third act that sort of broke that a little bit for me. Um, but we will talk about that when we get there. Uh, I think you okay. probably you probably know what I'm talking about. Um, but we'll have to do it in the post spoilers tag because it is a pretty significant spoiler. The stuff I'm talking about. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but up to that point, yeah, like I think one of the main, I mean, again, you can't help but compare it to the 2016 one, can you? Um, but I think just the main no. thing that he just, he got so right was just the characters, the new group of characters that were introduced to in this. And it spends so much time with them and they're all just fun to be around and they're fairly well defined. I mean, some of them, you know, are sort of archetypes, you know, like Finn Wolfhard yeah. in this, um, who people will know from Stranger Things. He's uh, Mike, uh, no, not Mike, Mike. Mike Hannigan. Yeah, he is Mike he's from Stranger Things, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Um, because yeah, I keep getting I always get Mike. Oh, not Will Mike confused. Hannigan. Mike Hannigan's in it. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he is Mike in it. Yeah. Uh, in Stranger Things, and he's Richie in it. Sorry. Yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's in this, and but he very much he's like he's not the most defined character, he's just kind of you know, horny teenager. But that's it's fine. Teenager likes cars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that and that, but that's fine. Like it doesn't. Need, he doesn't need to be that much more developed than that. He's a little bit perplexed by the whole thing. I like the fact that like he's now graduated because when he's you know he we know him as the eighties sort of throwback kid from Stranger Things. Yeah. But now he's like because he's aged up so rapidly, he's now become like the Steve Harrington character. Yeah, hasn't he? Yeah. He's been like in this, but like now and now the little like uh, McKenna Grace is really the lead of this movie. She's like the kid who's discovering everything, and he's just like the older brother who drives. Yeah, I love that. He's like, gee, it makes me feel old that that's happened already. But there you go. That's it's it's very 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 clever. Yeah, and you just go, that's fucking excellent. Yeah, because it might. Yeah, it may well have been a little bit of stunt casting when they were like, oh, fuck, if we can get the kid from Stranger Thing in this, Stranger Things in this, because it really really fits our vibe. Yeah. But then yeah. organically, again, like I keep going back to it, like organically, he's really good because he's a super cool kid in real life. Yeah, and I didn't, I like the fact they didn't like that initial thought where it was like, oh, they're just doing Stranger Things. Like, they're really not. They're really they're not. not. Like, they just, yeah. they have, there is an element of it where, you know, the new Ghostbusters are a bunch of kids. So I can understand why people would have that criticism. But then you have this added element of um, Finn Wolfhard and McKenna Grace play. Egon Spangler's grandkids, um, yeah. which you get, you get that from the trailer. We know that. That's not a spoiler to say that. Um, but the idea that they kind of have to figure out because they they are kind of estranged. They didn't really have a relationship with um, Egon, um, and he dies. I mean, again, that's in the trailer. We know that Egon's not alive in the movie. That's kind of the, the inciting incident is that he's gone, um, mm. and then it's about them figuring out who he was um, basically after he's already gone. Um, but I look, like the McKenna Grace is brilliant in this film. She's, she's amazing. She's been in loads of stuff. That girl, and like apparently she's got quite a big part in um, the Handmaid's Tale, which I've never seen. 
Um, but I've seen her in other little bits and pieces. Like she's been, she was in Captain Marvel, albeit briefly. Yeah. Um, as the young Carol. But she's like, I would say, like in this, she is unrecognizable from what you would have seen her in stuff. No, no, and that's part of you know child, you know child actors. That is kind of the thing, and that's what's amazing as well. When you see, obviously, you know, they're out doing the promotion for it now. And she looks like she's aged five years because she probably has. Because, like, this was originally meant to, like, the first trailer for this came out two years ago. Did it really? Yeah, this was meant to come out summer 2020 was when this was originally due out. So we've been pushed back by almost a full, like, 18 months before it's finally been released. So the kids, in particular McKenna, look completely different now. They're out on the the campaign trail sort of thing. Um, Yeah. But she, yeah, oh, they do yeah. a great job with her. Of she's this awkward teen, but she has this such a great because obviously the idea is that she's Egon's granddaughter, and they do such a great job of just making her like Egon esque. Like the first time you meet her, she's like bent over, like trying to sort something out, and she's very cold and direct, and she's got the glasses and all the same little mannerisms. It's like yeah, oh fuck yeah, they've they've done it. They've like they've captured that spirit, but at the same time made her like a, a girl who's a little bit awkward at school, but still recognisably Egon. It's just, it's, it's brilliant. It's yeah. so well done. And a lot of that comes down to her performance. Yeah. And it's, and she's got like the mannerisms down, but then she's also jokes. got her own style. So, so many jokes. The jokes that she tells are amazing. Oh, and the, and the delivery, the deadpan delivery. Um, <laughs> it's, and those are the sort of jokes that I was, obs- I was obsessed with those jokes as a kid just really shit one-liners that I had all sorts of joke books and all sorts, and I was just obsessed with them. And again, it was just like, it feels like this film was made for me. It was, wasn't it? Which yeah. it kind of was, to be fair. Yeah, like, it was. 100% it was, yeah. Like, not me personally, but for me as the, that sort of person who's had that effect from Ghostbusters films throughout. Because it's kind of fallen in like precisely within that window of this is who I because I'm really interested to see what my brothers think of it because obviously they were the people that kind of introduced me to Ghostbusters a little bit mm. by being my older brothers. But um, yeah, like her especially is like it, she's a real drive for the whole film because she's for you know. The if it's a lead, it's her. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and like I say, they, they do have this. So like the idea is that it's um, Phoebe, McKenna Grace's character, Trevor, played by Finn Wolfhard, and the mum, who's, I can't remember the name of the mum now, um, who's played by Carrie Coon. Yeah. She's called uh, Callie. She's called Callie. The actress's name is Carrie. That's very confusing. Never mind. Um, and yeah, it's like they basically, Egon passes away and leaves them this farmhouse. It's like the one thing that was left in his name. And they are basically flat broke, getting um, turfed out of where they live anyway. So they have no choice but to go and live in this house. It's the only thing they've got. And this is this is middle yeah. of like they. I like the idea that it feels different from the original because obviously the original movies were very much about New York and like you know urban cities is grimy and all the rest of it. This is about yeah. like middle America out in the sticks, which has a completely yeah. different vibe to it, which is quite cool. Um, but it's got there are obviously a lot of similarities in terms of. The plot and what we'll get into. I think we'll have to talk about that in spoilers as well. Um, in yeah. terms of how it links back into the original movie. Um, but yeah, it just it feels fresh, but 
similar in, in the same way. It kind of, it takes those tropes of, you know, something weird's going on in this small town, which is very much what you get in, you know, the, the eighties movies like the ET and Goonies and all that sort of thing. And then there's replicated again in stranger things, but then adds this ghostbusters element to it, which is just done brilliantly. Um, and just all these little spooky things. Like you get these uh, scenes where things move, um, out the corner of your eye or just like set decorations and all the rest of it and things like that just are just done really well and you can tell they've they, they, you can just tell there's so much love and care has gone into it um, and it, it's something that was just wasn't there in that 2016 version I mean it, comparing it to that is just yeah it's mad isn't it yeah it's literally like night and day because the thing about as as we you know so complexedly said last week and in depth um it doesn't feel like there was a lot of care went into the the 2016 one no they just went just go and be funny yeah i mean that, and that's the thing that's it's not it's not a coincidence that it's the first thing we've latched onto and started talking about the characters because yeah. it's the first thing you notice is that these are defined characters each one yeah. of them like and they are funny when they need to be funny or they crack a joke when they want it, when it's appropriate for them to crack a joke, as opposed to what we got in 2016, where there was like, right, there's an Egon type who's very serious, but then she starts riffing and joking at the drop of a hat. It's like, well, that yeah. doesn't fit the character. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So who's like, no one has, they're all just trying to be funny. Whereas with this one, it's like everyone has a, has a role within the, in the little team. And you get um, the one, I'm still not quite sure why the kid was called podcast. I don't know what they were trying to get out with that. But... Uh, I don't know. Like he was funny. To be fair to him, he was, he was a really good character. Again, like I, I think it's because he sort of defined his whole personality around the podcast. Like, yeah, he's it's just him, and nobody else is listening, or are they? Um, and he's like, oh yeah, call me podcast. And she's like, people call you podcast? And he's like, no, 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 I... I, I call me podcast. That's, yeah. that's what I call me. But no one else, yeah, because he doesn't know it. Like, it was a me- little meet cute between the two of them, these two sort of weird outcast kids. And yeah, I get it, it's fine. But I just, I feel like just his name being podcast is just a little bit much. But it's, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like it would have been good I, if at some point they had a moment where he actually tells her what his real name is. And like, if you, he thinks he's about to die or something. Do you know what I mean? yeah. that would have been a nice moment, but they didn't do that. But that's yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I think maybe that's maybe that's a bit rote, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm glad it did. Yeah, it did so much, but it also stayed away from doing too much. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I think like I said, there were a couple of moments for me where it did go a little bit past where where I would like would liked it to have gotten, but that's yeah, that maybe that's yeah, personal okay. preference. Um, yeah. But then the other things we get, like Carrie Coon's character is brilliant. Um, you can like it's a weird thing because she has like this like she really doesn't didn't like her father or didn't have a relationship with him and therefore hates everything that he was about so he did, she has no re- interest in science um, and that's why she finds it like she's she sort of finds it hard to relate to her daughter on that basis because she's really into it um, but like yeah we did say that yeah she does feel a little bit like if anyone's ever um, watched Rick and Morty um she's basically she's almost like a, a live action version of beth from rick and morty yeah in a lot of ways um but yeah again she feels like a defined character and the things she says and does are born out of something that you understand because they explain it um and she sits down and has conversations with like paul rudd 
And Paul Rudd is another great character. He can't, he plays Paul Rudd, right? Yes. He's just you're not this, getting anything new out of Paul Rudd here. He's just what Paul, you are Rudd. Getting is what is, Paul Rudd. Yeah. What if Paul Rudd was a science teacher? That's it. Yeah. Like, there's no not much more to his character than that. But to be honest, that's all you need because he's brilliant. He's funny. He's, he's just endearing. He's just he's just a fun presence to have on screen, isn't he? So he yeah. was brilliant. He was great. And the thing is, is when you when it's like we were saying here, you know, you're like, oh, it's Paul Rudd. You're like, it was just Bill Murray. Yeah, he's exactly that. It's exactly that. Yeah. And he's but they don't let him like his star power isn't doesn't like overshadow the kids or anything. He facilitates yeah. their their, you know. It's their journey, it's their thing, and he's just going to help. Like the idea that, like, they bring in a, a ghost trap, and he goes, "Oh my god, this is a ghost trap! Let's blow some yeah. shit up." <laughs> so they just eat like, "Well, I'm an adult, so I'm going to like rig this up to a <laughs> to a um, the battery of a uh, school bus, and let's see what happens." <laughs> yeah. And they're like, "Aren't you an adult?" And he's like, well, "Yeah, I'm liable." Yeah, that's what, uh, yeah, I'm also liable. So let's get the hell out of it. I love he's just a big it's like yeah and like that whole um speech he has about science where it's like was it it's the um it's the safety pin through the nipple of academia yeah. <laughs> great line he's like yeah history's boring and like and all the rest of it there's safe they're boring science is like rock punk rock you gotta just you gotta be dangerous you gotta do it. i'm like that's really cool and they just sort of just in that one scene kind of sum up what his character's all about and they're like right yeah got it move on brilliant yeah <laughs> You don't need to go into loads of depth. Like everybody's there. You kind of know what everybody's up to and what everyone's gonna do. Yeah. And that's it. You don't need anything else. You don't need this like real deep dive. Uh, no. and it's know, not to say like, they don't get into some mythology stuff because they do, but they're able to build on what was already established. Um, because yeah. they know they know who they're catering for. They know this is for uh, you know, the most likely people watching this are gonna be people who know the original film fairly intimately. So there's certain shortcuts they can take, but they still, they bring it, everyone's along for the ride, I think. I don't think yeah. you would alienate anyone who hadn't seen it. I, again, I can't imagine anyone going to see this who hasn't at least seen the first one, but you never know. Um, so I think you could, yeah. you'd be able to follow enough without that. Um, but yeah, they do, they do build on what's already there without taking too long to overcomplicate their own law and set of rules about who the ghosts are and what the threat is and all that sort of stuff. They, they find a clever way of, getting around that exactly and there's no you know they don't overcomplicate it they tread on similar ground yeah yeah um and yeah they go from there like it's it's curious though because like for as as you know as optimistic and as uh positive as we are about it like there is there's still quite a lot of people out there that are like not feeling this Oh yeah, I know. There's there's been a bit there is a bit of yeah, backlash to it. I know that like the red letter media have had a bit of a tizzy about the whole thing. Really? Um yeah, uh, I've done my century. Um but yeah, it's I, it's not gonna be for everyone and they're gonna be like it, there's a people find this they'll still find it cynical, um, in the same way that people would have found the previous one cynical, I guess. Um and there's an element of it that I do feel like, yeah, it does tie into that and it because no matter how we swing it this is a reaction to 2016 um if yeah. that had been received well this film would not have been made it would have, we would have had a sequel to that by now yeah. um so there is an element of feels like it's pandering i guess is, is what people are kind of criticizing about it and i think that is to a certain extent i think is legitimate 
but at the same time yeah. i also feel like they've they've kind of proven their point and by particularly by with mechanic Grace's character who is by far one of the highlights of the movie is basically the lead of it is that yeah ha- having a female lead is not a problem if you write it well exactly if you write it well and do it that's well, exactly and get... what i was about to sort of come to yeah it's like we never like if if some of us who had criticisms of that i'm not saying all of us but you and i certainly who had criticisms of the seventh of the 2016 version was not out of mm, i can't believe the girls ghostbusters ghostbusters should be met no it wasn't that it's just crap film there are a yeah. certain section of fandom out there who were just angry because they were women those are assholes but like this proves our point is like no i don't care what gender the, the the ghostbusters are or who you're handing the legacy over to as long as it's well written and, and well done and it is in this, yeah. in this, this instance i think no i completely agree that's yeah. that's sort of like almost like what i showed up to say was you know this is led uh you know it's the, the protagonist is female you know yeah she's got a comedy sidekick who's a male and she's got a big brother who isn't exactly you know his instrument to being in the film is largely that he can drive yeah but he's kind of the venkman character in a way isn't he? he's like, like well what's going on okay yeah whatever <laughs> he just gets yeah, on with like it he like, turns up he wants to he wants to meet the girls yeah um but like, i like yeah so the, the little core group that you end up with is a um mixed race mixed gender group of kids yeah 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 there's a there's an asian uh boy uh black uh african-american girl and then the two spangler kids and it's just, and they form the guy and you don't even think about it that's what i like about it is that it's not like shoved it's not wokeness or shoved in your face in i in my opinion anyway i guess there will be again there will be pe- people who criticize it as being woke ghostbusters and yeah. they can fuck and off. I have a message for them: is go fuck yourself and um, just Basically. fuck off. And just watch the talking. Yeah, watch the first one on repeat forever. Fine, whatever. Like, just go shit. away. Go yeah. away. Don't don't watch anything nice. Don't watch anything fun, because you just suck the life and fun out of everything. So yeah. just fuck off. And that's yeah. That that's what bugs me is that there's an element. There's one little bit where I feel like that they are being pandered to those people. But we'll talk about it later. I can't. I can't. I can't keep dancing around it. Um, but yeah, I mean, what else to say before we can get into those spoilers and stuff? I mean, like I say, there's just there's this joy about this movie where you get like the you know the moment when he finds the Ecto one and just goes driving through the field. And that's that's exactly what what yeah, this and film just, is different. But I love you, like, those, like hit um, the nail on the head there because it's just joy. There's like there's there's fun to it. Like I tell you the other as bit, I was going through, I was just smiling, having a laugh yeah. the whole time. It didn't feel snide or spiteful or like cynical like the other one did it's not making jokes and being like oh you don't want to listen to people on the internet and you're yeah. like fuck off like you're better than you oh i thought you were better than that but you're not yeah um like it's little like i say there's a there's obviously the humor in this is is much more is still fairly broad in, in a lot of ways but it's so much more subtle than the last one um and i just like i think the perfect example of that is and i'm going to spoil a joke here a little bit but i have to because it's a good example i think um is there's that moment where paul rudd's um he's running away from something and he just jumps through the front of his car because the um windows were smashed out yeah and it's like you've completely forgotten about that that it happened earlier but it's a little sight gag because he's like obviously not going to run in and just go through the door is he he just dives in through the front windshield because there's no glass in it anymore <laughs> but it's a great yeah. little funny moment and then he gets and then, 
it's organic. It happens because of the situation that he's in. And then, you, and then it's a sight gag and then you move on. I'm like, that's the kind of shit that would have happened in the original movie. Yeah. That's Bill Murray walking down the stairs all, all straight and bored. It's that. It's like, it's not, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's, this, it's the Bill Murray getting ectoplasm caught on his hands. Yeah. You know, it's not overt. It's not smashing you in the face and being like, look how funny this is. I fell over and said, fuck sticks. Ah, oh, crap balls. Ah, oh. you know, it's not, it's none of the stupid shit that's in the 2016 one. Mm. That's not to say that, like, like we said, you know, the 2016 one has its merits. It's really funny in places. And that's completely owed to the, the, the cast, not so much to the writing. Yeah. But then there's a balance to this. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, uh, that doesn't exist in the other ones. Yeah. Um, I think obviously there are things that have been, I think, improved. Just you can't really help it in terms of things look better because it's, we've had 30 years worth of development of special effects. And so some yeah. of the sequences are brilliant. I do feel like sometimes it relies a little bit too heavily on CG. And I would have rather they had some practical monsters. Um, although there are ones where you can tell they are practical, or it seems that way anyway. Either, either the CG is so good that I can't tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, or they actually did a puppet. Either way, they, they had the um, effect. But there are times when there are, they're chasing a CG ghost and shooting a CG plasma beam, and you can kind of tell, and it feels a little bit weightless, um, which is a shame, but, you know, is what it is. Yeah, I would say that there's a there are a few points when I'm like, oh, fuck, like the visual effects in this film are amazing. Yeah, yeah, and the, um, like, yeah, like the sound design, the set design, and the effects are like, yeah, it does run a little heavy into the sort of when it comes to like the action. Yeah, I would say in a few places, but then at the same time, when you look at I think that's kind of like ne- a symptom I, I of what such yeah. uh, it's such a trite thing to say nowadays. But when like you know when you watch the original and they're like, oh, you know, New York is is a character, and it and it kind of is because like yeah. you you recognise so much of um what you see in New York, and you're like, okay, you've got the steaming grates, you've got the people walking down this way, and you've got the avenues and Broadway and blah 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 blah. Now. This film doesn't really have that same characterization to it, but what it does is it really, really tightly defines like that uh, sort of small town aesthetic. Yeah, some of it, and it's like the, it was because what I like is they they kind of get that across by just everyone they meet in the town knows about um, Egon and just call oh the dirt yeah. farmer. Yeah, did everyone call him that? And just the idea that like yeah, again, that's the diff- That's one of the big things that is different about New York as compared to. A, a town like this is that everyone knows one another here yeah. so, and they play that up and use that to great effect so again it's just it's using the setting to get a point across so it's not just for the sake of something different it's actually actually yeah we can use this as a storytelling device and like uh, yeah makes sense and also it's like small town enough that people don't know who egon is or was no no yeah because that's that's the other thing that they, they do quite a cool job of in this is that there's they obviously talk about what happened in the originals as being a thing that actually happened. Um, yeah. And you get like, yeah. So Paul Rudd brings up the YouTube videos of like the, the advert that the guys put out for saying, you know, if you, you know, call us if, 
call to the, call the professionals if you hear bumps in the middle of the night and all that and it's the original guys doing it it's like oh yeah in the 80s in new york there was just there's all kinds of crazy ghosts and shit like, but then it hasn't happened since so it's like it's a it, we live in a world where that happened um but then like it, everything went quiet after that um yeah. which is cool and, and it's like, it's really interesting and, because and the kids don't know about it because why would they because they weren't born well, exactly. And their mum would never have told them about it because she's got, like, it all makes sense. The fact that the idea, like, the world that they, they inhabit makes sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you start to sort of scratch below the surface, uh, like, slightly, it, you know, things do start to, like, cracks start to appear. Yeah. But that happens with, that happens with the first one as well. And it happens with most films. Like, you know, most films... Uh, could could easily be solved by sitting down and having a conversation. Oh yeah, but that's not how things happen. Most most films could be resolved by people rationally looking at something and going, "Actually, you know what? The science points it out, and you're right." Yeah, but that's not what happens. People do. Families do keep secrets from one another, and you know the pain of one parent. You know the pain of a parent and just being like, you know, I just didn't want to fucking talk about my dad. Okay. Hmm. Like that was my decision to make. I didn't want to talk about him, so I didn't. And you're like, well, actually, yeah, that's how people react. So the the the, the distance makes it more realistic. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, well, well, yeah. I think we need to, we need to get into spoilers because that's um, yeah. I think is there anything else you want to say pre-spoilers? Um, no, just go and see it. Yeah, go see it. If you're a fan of the original, you will like this. Um, your mileage may vary, um, but yeah. you can you will definitely at least enjoy it um, and like it. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll, um, we'll get into the spoilers now. So yeah, I mean, I mean, so yeah, that thing you said about the whole, you know, her not wanting to talk about her dad. I do, I what I do feel a little annoyed about, well, not annoyed, but I feel that like it was a bit of a cop out the way they resolved that at the end. It oh, was really? the old, yeah, just because they they did the thing and it's become a bit of a trope now. Um, and I was trying to put my finger on where I'd seen it before, and I realised where it was. It was Inspector when Madeline finds her dad's secret room and he's got a big mon- um, collage of all photos of her okay. on the wall. I was like, <laughs> yeah. fuck it. And they do the exact same thing here, whereas like, the idea is like he abandoned his family, didn't have anything to do with them, but then, but then she finds this collage of photos showing that he's been following her her whole life. And on that basis, all is forgiven. I was like, oh no, he did care. He, it turns out he did care. Look, you can tell because he put a load of photos on the wall. I'm like, mm, he could have picked up a phone though, couldn't he? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, are we, re- are we really just going to forget all the other, the fact that like, because yeah. the, the problem that they have in this film and it's, it's a really difficult one because I think basically this film is, it is for Harold Ramis and it is dedicated to him and it's about him and his legacy. But I think what happens is they get the character of Egon and the actor of Harold Ramis get mixed up and they kind of, they eulogize Harold more so than Egon. If you see what I mean, they they make yeah. him like a saint like figure because that's how they felt about Harold, which is completely yeah. fair enough. But they kind of it 
they kind of try to have their cake and eat it too because they have this sort of dramatic story where he abandoned everyone and just left and then try and resolve it all at the end um, and make out that he wasn't, he was a complete, he was a hero without being able to actually do it properly because obviously Harold Ramis has passed away sadly and, and everyone does feel that way about him and it's, and it's lovely, but I don't know. I just feel like they pushed it a little bit too far. Really? They, I really don't, I really, really wish they hadn't. So again, if we're going to, we're in spoilers now, so I can say it. They brought back, they do at the very end, bring back a ghost version of Harold Ramis' of Egon. Yeah. I really, really wish they hadn't done that. Really? Yeah. I really wish that because I'll tell you what, and yeah, I loved the early parts of it where there were these moments where Egon was in the room and he was just doing little things like, moving the light yeah and showing um phoebe how to fix the proton pack and that was just it was really like poignant and and nice because it's this idea of like walking into a room and feeling someone's presence even after they're gone yeah and like, i i get that like i you know i've yeah getting a bit little bit personal but I, you know my grandfather passed away not you know a few years ago and you walk into his garage down in wales and it is like that. You can see he's got all, like, every single bit of string you could possibly think of and all different various sizes all lined up on the wall yeah. ready, ready for any, <laughs> any eventuality. And it does, it, like, it feels like they just walked out of the room even though they've been gone for a while. And that, that moment, they add a little supernatural element to where he's moving the light, but it feels real still. It feels real enough that you can just, when you walk into a room, you feel like they're still there. Yeah. And, the, and then the other one that was particularly got me as well was this thing with the chessboard. Um, oh, yeah. Because there's literally a chessboard in my house right now. It's, I can see it. It's behind me, which was my granddad's chessboard, which he taught me to play chess on. And this idea that Egon from beyond the grave was having a chess game with Phoebe was yeah. lovely. And it's just, it's subtle and it's poignant. And then I think they just kind of broke that by just having him come back as a ghost. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because that's then too far. That's like, that's like, you can't relate to that because that, oh yeah, yeah, we are watching a movie. Do you know what I mean? It just takes it that, that bit too late. And they, and the other weird thing about it is that they have him there, but then he doesn't speak because obviously he can't because the cat, the actors died. So they don't have anyone trying to imitate him, but they like, they talk at him and then like the daughter hugs him, but he doesn't say anything. So I'm just like, if you, if that's the cat, don't do it. I just wish they hadn't done it. I really wish they hadn't done it. Yeah, and that's no, that's that's fair. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. You know, how did you feel about it? I mean, maybe I'm just bringing my own baggage to it, but I just, yeah. Well, no, but I mean, yeah, you may well be, but at the same time, that doesn't make your, that doesn't invalidate how you feel about it. Like what your your feeling out of it is is just as valid as mine. And whilst mm. I, you know, there was a point when I'm like, oh, you know, it's, I just saw it as just a really lovely moment, but then I don't have that same disconnect you know one of my one of my grandfathers is still alive and one passed away um before i could remember sadly mm. um and whilst you know i do have that fondness for both of my grandfathers it's i don't have that same reaction that exists in this yeah i just feel like because uh, the way they all came back as well because the thing that we have to talk about is that also not only do they bring harold back like that they actually bring back the, the original team yeah. and they all just turn up and there's a great scene uh, yeah, it's sort of in the middle of the film where Phoebe calls Ray and they have a conversation over the phone and he sort of fills in the backstory about what's happened and what happened to Egon 
and all the rest of it. And that is a brilliant scene and that's great. And you sort of get this idea that, yeah, we were all close friends and then we all drifted off and did our own thing. And Egon just, he, he took all our stuff and just left. We never saw him, saw him again. And we yeah. think he's an arsehole. And then you find out later that Egon took all the stuff because he was like, basically set up, set up this trap with the four proton packs pointed at this hole in the ground to stop the, you know, the rise of, uh, not Zul, um, Goza, Goza, and yeah, and Goza, and the, all those minions, and all the same threat that they faced in the first movie is back. Um, and he's like tracked it down to where the original steel from the building came from to this town, which is, is great that it all ties in, it's really cool. Um, but then it just it makes everything make sense, it's like, and not only that, it like it met, there's a finite element to everything, it's like there are only five proton packs in the world, yeah, because it's very Egon designed them from scratch. And like, right, so I, so he has to steal them. He has to have the Ecto-1 because otherwise he can't do it. No one believes him, but he's going to go out there and do it anyway. Yeah. Um, and just like, yeah, that moment was great. I just wish that like in my ideal scenario, it would have been like, because the, the three of them turning up at the end, first of all, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they just, they, they arrive out of nowhere. Like they stepped out of a portal. Like the guys are in this huge, big, like climactic fight with Goza. And there's like a huge tornado that's encompassing the entire town. And suddenly these three old men just rock up. They're wearing their original jumpsuits, which doesn't make any sense because the kids were just wearing them. They've got, uh, pro- no, yeah. they've got proton packs, which again, I thought we had all the proton packs. Where the hell did you get those from? And they're just, they're casually there. And they just, all the tension that's been built up about like, because there's this really like, they build like the, the action set piece where it's like the mum gets possessed and does the whole Zool thing. Um, yeah. And they're, they're running back and goes and they set up this whole trap that Egon tried to, and we now understand that what the opening sequence was is like, Oh, he failed because he was trying to lure Gozer into this giant ghost trap that he's created. And it's all like tense, 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 tense. And then the three guys turn up and just start riffing. <laughs> they just start riffing. And it's just like, but you, the story you told on the phone earlier is that you've all drifted apart and haven't seen each other for years. So why are you all just acting like best mates again? Like, yeah, if I you want, if you wanted to tell the story of like re- rekindling friendships and stuff, you could have told that story. You could have done like the the road trip of Phoebe going right. Well, we've got to get the Ghostbusters together again, and we and then she gets Ray, and then they go and find Venkman. And, they, and convince him to come along and then they go and find yeah i Winston. don't think that would have been i think because this is telling its own story a bit and it's like well, they, yes yeah. they turn up at the end but mm. i think them turning up at the so the way that i read it is that um because i think he says he took like the last of like certain things i didn't i th- i think I thought that they all still had all their own shit. No, I think he, he said that like, he, cleaned, he cleaned us out, I think is what Ray said. Yeah. I don't know. That, that's like a nitpick about like that. I think it's just from a story point of view, like it felt like he was taken away from what, like the victory of the kids and what they'd done. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Because then it's like, it's undermining everything they've gone through, everything that we've just built over the last, all the characters that we just built over the last hour and a half or whatever, you go here, the old ones. And it felt that feels like it's a concession to those, like incel arseholes he didn't like the last ones like right ego this is what you want in it they're back ego they're all they're all back this is what you want here you go do you know what i mean and yeah, it's just like it, felt, it feels think... like and they're all wearing the, and they're wearing the proton packs and they're going to shoot the thing and then uh, and they're going to save the day because that's what you lot want isn't it oh, for fuck's sake 
But just, then they yeah. weren't successful. They weren't, I know, and they got knocked on their ass, but it just like it just has this heroic just, moment. Like old men that just got knocked on their ass and they're like, oh that hurt. Yeah, I know. Hurt I know a lot I just... more. I don't remember this hurting so much. And it's just like I think to do that and to just have a Dan Aykroyd cameo is wasteful, especially. No, see, I, like... I'm not saying that they shouldn't have been in it. I just I feel like so it's my pitch then, if you like, because I have thought about this. Yeah. would have been for them to so the kids and you know the spangler family save the day they stop gozer and they do what they what um egon set out to do and and save the whole thing um and then yeah um sorry i've got it here so yeah so then I think what they should have done is they have like the the the, de- the Denny Mon, if you like, so the the epilogue after the big final action sequence, where first of all, there's no doesn't seem to be any sort of reaction from the wider world as to this situation, mm. but there's a whole town that got wrecked and just got completely destroyed by ghosts again, which hasn't happened since the the eighties. So I think there would have been a reaction. So I think what you should have had is like a news report saying, yeah, it's come back, and then we you know luckily the ghostbusters was here and there's like footage of the ecto one tearing down the street and all the rest of it um and then from that then you get the idea that the guys heard about what happened and then i would like cut to a week later and then the spangler family are putting on a memorial service for eon because now they understand who he was better and now given all everything we know the whole town of um somerville turn up because they realised that the dirt farmer who they were like dismissing all these years was actually saving their lives on a daily basis. Literally, yeah. and, like they all turn up, and then all the like Venkman and and everyone they all turn up, and they're there, and they go come to pay their respects, and they pay their respects, and there is literally just just a, a framed photo of Harold, and that's what you're talking to and saying, "I'm sorry, I didn't believe you," and that kind of thing. Because that is what funerals are like in real life. You don't get a chance to see a, a force ghost who stands with you and holds the fucking yeah. so that doesn't happen so like but then i would like so then the idea is that the final shot of like the whole thing end of the movie for me would have been the original ghostbusters and the new ghostbusters the kids and carrie coon's character and paul rudd all sat around a big table after the funeral or after the service talking and just going and like one of the last lines sort of yeah saying that your granddad was the best you know and they go yeah you know, one time I had to stop him from drilling a hole in his head. What? Mm-hmm. And then they start, they start talking, sort of pans up, they start laughing. And then as it, as you cut over to podcast, you just see that under the table, he just clicks record on his microphone. Yeah. And then it pans out for Harold. That's my pitch for how I would have ended it. Yeah. And then the idea is that, yeah, if you go into a sequel, then he like literally, they, they've sat around telling stories about the, the original Ghostbusters and then um, um, podcast has released it as a podcast, and now that everyone knows everything. because yeah. he kind of did, didn't he? Like, I don't know. Oh, I mean, I that's, don't know. Maybe that's what I presumed. But I don't know about a podcast. I think he did. Like, I don't think he ever like interacted with the originals, did he? Uh, with Venkman or anyone no, like that. But not. yeah, he could have done. Yeah, I think it was probably too late for him to be on set. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I struggle to, um, with a Ghostbusters film where one of the primary characters is dead but doesn't appear as a ghost, especially 
uh, Egon, especially with uh, unfinished business, especially with anything. I, I just find it like, yeah, there's that line like... where I'm like, I struggle to. But I just feel like, I, I, out of respect, I think it would be more respectful. Like I would have loved, I think, so the shot that they, they get in this is where it's the four of them all standing together. And yeah. you get the moment where Ernie Hudson just gives um, Venkman a, a, a nudge and goes, look, he's there. But I, to me, like I, I a real, again, maybe it's because I'm less connected to it, but a real powerful moment for me would have been if they're panning across and it's you see the four of them all stood together and you see all the name badges. And you go across all four of them and then it just goes, it shifts down. The camera has to go down because she's so much shorter, but then you've got a, a Spangler is there and it's Phoebe. So you've yeah. still got Venkman and everybody, they're all still there, but just in Harold's place is the new generation and she's picking up the baton from her granddad. That's That would have been really just as powerful and emotional for me because just it's the, the absence of someone is true isn't it it just is but i don't yeah. know i know what you mean it's a ghostbusters movie and it seems weird to not have a ghost but it's a bit it adds an extra layer to it when the actor themselves is gone it just seems a bit yeah it's difficult isn't it and it's i i have no doubt that uh in any way shape or form that this was done with any sort of cynicism or shade no and even harold ramus's daughter has come out and said how she's happy with it all um yeah. so yeah i mean I, who am i to criticize it but it's just that's for me would have felt more genuine if they'd done it that way but yeah that's it's personal preference isn't it i mean um like i say i can see people accusing it of that cynicism that's the thing it's just the um yeah i mean you know mark kermode you know who we often cite is is you know one of the only other sort of film reviewers out there that i sort of pay any any mind to uh, and that's not because of snobbery or anything. That's just because I don't like to, I don't like to read too much into other people's film reviews because I don't want them to affect my own thoughts. And mm. it might sound really wanky, but no, I've got. I just, I've got I just like to have my own my own opinion on things, and like I'm okay with not knowing what everybody thinks. Like every person that's paid for it or has a podcast or as a youtube channel i'm i'm okay with not knowing that like as long as you know i know what you think about it i know what my friends and family think about it i'm happy mm. and i think that you know there are people out there that see this as sort of cynical and see this as um as we again like we said before like the weaponization of nostalgia and stuff along those lines I th and i think you know there are some parts of that that's, that's valid you know there are some moments in there where um if I wasn't as big of a fan of Ghostbusters, when somebody says, who are you going to call? I would have been like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, that, that was all right. But, I, did, I didn't mind that one. That was okay. But I am a huge fan of Ghostbusters, so I fucking loved it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I appreciate it. Like, there were things in there that I didn't even pick up on that you just clocked immediately. Like, when they first talked, um, what's the name of the guy um, who owned the building in New York? Oh, um, yeah. And but like you clocked it immediately. Um, oh shit, what is it? Because then he's randomly played by J.K. Simmons for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> for like five seconds. Like, um, Ivo Ivo Shandor. Yes, Ivo Shandor. So they actually yes, but the minute they go something about Ivo Ivo Shandor Shandor in the um. 
know, when they get like exploring the tomb or whatever, you look over at me like, <gasps> I'm just like, I've missed something. <laughs> it's like, damn it, I don't know this film well, as well as you do. And then it clocks and then they start talking about, yeah, using the steel for the building in New York. And I went, ah, oh, right, yeah, 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 got you. But like you were there like five seconds before I was because you just know that name like instinctively. Um, yeah. And that that's exactly like, yeah, you are like, say, to- total prime target demographic. Um, yeah, so yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and I don't know, like there was no part of this uh, I think it came, I think seeing it so quickly after what, um, the 2016 yeah, might have helped as well. I oh, know it helped. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to, my sort of criticism, I don't want to take away from your enjoyment of it at all. Like, and I, I really did love this film. I just, I think part of it, what frustrated me about that end bit is that because I enjoyed everything up to that point so much. Yeah, it let me. It felt like it let me down a little bit. It just it didn't quite stick the landing. It's ah, oh, so close. But if it hadn't, if I hadn't enjoyed, and like I say, mainly it's the new characters. I felt invested in them, and I wanted them to win. Um, and then yeah. I just, I just felt like the the getting the the old crew back together again kind of took away from that a little bit. Uh, but like, if I hadn't given a shit about any of the guys beforehand, then I wouldn't be annoyed by it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's yeah, it's it is brilliant, um, and it's really well done. Um, and I'll say, I, who are we to criticize when you know you get the sign off of Harold Ramis's family and all the rest of it? So yeah, crack on. Yeah, but I just yeah, I just had a fucking brilliant time with it. Yeah, yeah, and it's I great was fun. Smiling throughout, I laughed throughout, and never got bored. No, like yeah, this is exactly what I wanted it and needed it to be as a sequel to sort of a beloved film from my youth yeah and, and it does feel like because the other thing we haven't really talked about is that the yeah the threat is is goza um which yeah. is the same and you get the whole key master and the um gatekeeper <laughs> idea which they do brilliantly that whole sequence with paul rudd um and carrie coon um is great um and just yeah like i said they're able to use that knowledge of the first one to sort of just do a bit of shorthand and just crack on with with the threat, but do it in in what feels like a fairly fresh way. Um, but then it also means that inherently this feels like a like a, a proper conclusion. It's like yeah, there was unfinished business that Egon knew was going to happen, and he didn't. And he saw it through, and his family saw it through. And yeah, it's great. It's yeah. brilliant. I just yeah, I just loved it. Yeah, and it, like there's so much of it that works. Like. The way that they cut, like casting Paul Rudd, for example, as like yeah. a modern day Rick Moranis, yeah, works. But like he's like, that's why having like somebody he's... like Carrie Coon as a modern day Sigourney Weaver works. Yeah, you know, it's just amazingly talented people, like extraordinarily like talented, like really funny, really clever, really just everything about them is sort of really powerful like Carrie Coon is like this is the first time I think I've seen her do sort of like a sort of comedic role like I've only ever seen her do sort of really sort of dramatic work Mm. and she just she just nails it yeah and she brings that I think the other thing that I noticed really about her is like when they got when they do do that Goza and um the possession thing when she becomes Zool you get that physicality that she brings to it which is always there like obviously the one of the only things I've really remember seeing her in is the Avengers um as proxima yeah. midnight um and so you finally you get that when she's doing the whole you know ju- literally jumping through windows and all that doing her own stunts you go oh shit yeah no that's yeah <laughs> but yeah. she brings all i mean that, i've like, completely the common... forgotten about yeah exactly yeah proxima 
Um, but she's also got the comedy chops and she's got that that dry sense of humor, which you can which is exactly what these movies need. Um, but it never feels like it never feels forced like it has done previously. Um, yeah, it is great, it's brilliant. Um, notwithstanding my sort of hang-ups about it, it's great. Yeah. And that's the thing, like everyone's gonna especially with something as personal yeah, as a little a film bit. like this can be. Yeah, a little bit. Like we are going to have our own things about it. Like for me, it served every purpose I wanted to see, and I was very sad that Harold couldn't be in this. But then, you know, and it made me think about other things. That, like you know, uh, uh, when they were talking about like the friends part of it, and like how the friends drift apart. Like, yeah, like my yeah. friend who, when I was a kid, like my friend Ed and I were both both obsessed with ghostbusters and i was saying about it last week like he and i were like some of my sort of earliest memories are me and ed playing with ghostbusters toys on on his landing and uh yeah. i just know, feel like yeah he, he was like... sort of the friend that mm-hmm. he he's sort of, you know we both sort of egoned in our own way you know we yeah. both went off and did our own thing and you know, it's it's sad when you think you know we sort of cross one another's paths every now and then, and you sort of smile, but then you realise what you've lost. But then you think about yeah. the nice times and stuff like that. So I think it's it brings a lot. I think me being honest, able to bring like, my own shit, and yeah. then like you being able to deal with like and not have your own sort of part of it. I think it's it's very different, and I think is mm. you know it's, there's no way to diminish either of our sort of feelings about it i just think it's really interesting that yeah because obviously i've got very different experiences from you so mm. yeah um but i mean like i say i i'm thinking back on it now and like, i did i that's the thing because that could have been a really nice like subplot around the whole idea of dr- friends drifting apart but then something bringing them back together again and it being ego yeah. so I, I would have loved if you know if they had use that that conversation between phoebe and um and ray if they kind of use that as a sort of jumping off point for a subplot where you then follow ray go it because like presumably you've got to fill in the gaps you've got to assume then that ray then off the back of that phone call went and found venkman and went and got winston and then they all then turned up show us a bit of that journey show us ray going to see venkman and cut away every now and, then. and like if that makes the out the film half an hour longer i'm okay with that because then it just yeah. it feels like that moment would have been more earned. Do you know what I mean? It's because it because it sort of just comes out of nowhere. It feels like they didn't quite earn it in the same way that I feel like they should have done. If they just spent, yeah. even if it was just a knocking on the door and Venkman answered the door, and then it's like the oh shit! Are they, so what are they going to turn up? Are they going to are they going to get there in time? What 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 are they going to do? And then they then they do turn up. It would have been just it would have felt earned more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. What you mean. More, I, I just sort of, of like, I just I, didn't. I, I expected them to turn up at like. Um, I expected to see them all, mm. but I didn't expect to see them there. And I think it's because I was just a bit aghast by it all. Like I was so surprised how much I actually loved it mm. that it uh, actually it genuinely caught me off guard. And normally I'm one of those people that's like, ah, cold it and sort of see that stuff happen in advance but. i mean we, we said it when you know after we um after the call with uh with ray we said third act third act 
Yeah. And I said, they're all going to turn up in the third act, aren't they? And I'm like, I'm fully prepared. I'm not, I have absolutely no problem with that happening. It's just, I feel like the way it happened was just a bit rushed and a bit yeah. um, shoehorned, it felt. Um, and I feel like, yeah, if you just let it linger a little bit, and even if it's just a case of just a couple of like, Middle, you know, scenes in between the action because that also take, breaking away from the action builds tension as well because you want, do you know what I mean? So it, there's there's a reason why films have subplots. So if you break away from what's going on with Phoebe for a second, and all we see is Ray like takes a deep breath, knocks on the door, Venkman answers the door, then that's it, and then it cuts back to Phoebe and stuff, and it's like just little like interstitial bits like that would have helped give the breadcrumbs leading up to that moment. Um, but yeah. There you go. What do I know? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, like I said, your your opinion's just as valid as you know the next one. So I think it, but and like it, yeah, it sounds different to me. But well, that's one one of the reasons that we do this podcast is talk about like, yeah. the alternative like outcomes of it. So I just happen to be in one of those frames of minds where I'm like, oh, it's perfect. I loved it. Don't want to change a thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah. It's just it's just one of those times that we disagree on it a bit. Yeah, and like I say, only a little bit. I'm not. I by no means am I saying that this is a bad film at all. Um, mm. It's it's, inc- it's brilliantly well made and made with all the love and care in the world. Um, and it should definitely be seen by anybody who's got any sort of fondness or affection at all for the original movie. Um, so that's I'm not saying that, or I'm just saying that there's just a couple of things that I wish that would have been slightly different, um, yeah. just for my personal taste. But there you go. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. Okay. Uh, well, I think that kind of covers it then, really, uh, for Ghostbusters Afterlife. I think there's definitely going to be a sequel. Um, I can almost guarantee it. Apparently, it's exceeding, uh, uh, it's exceeding a box office expectation. Really? Uh, which is a difficult thing to say. Uh, but yeah, it's made more money than they were expecting. It's getting pretty, you know, pretty glowing reviews all around. Although I know there are people who are being critical of it, but I think by and large, the main sort of outlets are pretty, you know, there's lots of those, um, those, TV spots and things going out at the moment with the five star, four star reviews. Um, oh, really? And then on top of that, yeah, financially it's doing pretty well. Um, and obviously they do have some post credit scenes in this, um, which potentially set up part of um, another movie. So I'm interested to see where they would go with that um, and how that would work. Um, interesting what they chose to do with that because um, it's not where you would usually think. No. Um, it doesn't focus. You think that the post credits would focus on the new team, the young team, but instead they choose to focus on Winston and Janine of all people, um, and they're just talking about him buying the the firehouse and sort of restarting the whole thing again. Um, and then you get this final shot of the ghost containment unit where they kept all the prisoners still flashing, yeah. like there's something still in there, and then it just cuts to black. So they've got something planned. Um, and I can't imagine that that's not going to also involve the you know, McKenna Grace and that team. Um, so how it's all going to tie together, I'm not sure, but they've got something up their sleeve. Uh, and I'm totally down for it. So in the sense of it yeah. being a reboot, that is 100% works. Um, so, you know, working as a sequel and as a reboot, this is a better way of doing it. This is like a Force Awakens. That's the other thing that a lot of people have been comparing it to. Um, yeah. Is the Force Awakens, yeah. Um, I agree. I think it's fucking brilliant. I just, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I want to see more immediately. No, it, well, it's going to be regardless now. It's going to take some time to get it all together. Um, but they'll, yeah, inevitably there. I think there will be more, um, given how well it's been received, generally speaking. Um, and yeah, 
and box office notwithstanding. Um, I think the other, obviously the box office is a bit of a weird one these days because of the pandemic and everything. Um, but it's still doing better than people expected it to do in the first place. So there's that. Well, long may it rain, to be honest. Like, uh, yeah, I think it's fucking brilliant. And I'd love to see more, but I don't want to see more if they're just going to just throw it out. I want the same care, passion, attention, and consideration that went into this to go. No, into yeah, next... I think I think they will. I think because uh, Jason, it's Jason Reitman has been talking about it a little bit. Um, and it, yeah, the interesting thing because I, I saw the headline and sort of clicked it earlier, talking about sequels potentially. And he basically all, yeah. all he alluded to because someone asked the question, "How come Egon changed the logo on the side of the Ecto One from the two to the original one?" It's like, does that mean that Ghostbusters Two isn't canon? He goes, "No, no, no, no. Ghostbusters Two is one hundred percent canon." Um, there's a few references to it throughout the movie, um, but it's just not as well known, so people don't pick up on them as much. And there is a reason why Egon changed that, and maybe we'll get into that at another time. I'm like, hmm, okay, okay, that's interesting. Like, he, yeah, they've thought it all out. He knows exactly. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And I don't think you know part of what the the, the only thing the studio would have wanted out of this. I think obviously they realized how much they fucked up on the last one but i'm sure there was some sort of mandate to say you've got to leave the door open for some sequels if you're making another one um so that would have been something they thought about um yeah can i ask if have you had a chance to look into this whole ghost court thing no i haven't no um that is a bit of a weird one isn't it (laughs) yeah i'm gonna look into it because ghost court yeah so they set up a production company that is just solely for the purposes of creating Ghostbusters movies. Is that right? Yeah, by the looks of things. Because that, that logo appears both on the 2016 film and on this. Yeah. Um, and it's some sort of... My understanding is that it's like the original guys have to have approval for anything to actually happen. Yeah. Like, you know, the likes... They can't... You cannot make a Ghostbusters movie unless Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hertz and sign off on it. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean any kind of quality. And Harold Ramis' estate. And Harold's estate, yeah. Um, because that doesn't necessarily mean any kind of quality comes out of that because they signed off on the 2016 version. So yeah. take yeah, take that with a pinch of salt. But yeah, um, I don't know if that maybe just just that logo is just part of that arrangement, I guess. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe it's one of those things where it's like that's, uh, you know, the the, the fabled um, executive producer title that you get on a lot of things is that, you know, yeah, the executive producer is a role, but then you'll often get people that are executive producers on something just so they can make an extra bit of money. Yeah, so like Stan Lee is an executive producer on all the Marvel movies, even though he doesn't actually contribute anything into, in yeah. terms of that role. He obviously created the original stories on which a lot of those things are based in the characters, but in a real sense, he's not an executive producer. Yeah, he's not going to be on set giving directions and observations and that no, sort not, of thing. No, not unless he's like, filming one of his cameos, no. No. But at the same time, like he he was involved in a sense, but not to the same extent that an an actual exec director would be. No, and I then, think you get so, like um, Spielberg is often gets that as well, doesn't he? Yeah, and they're 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 the sort of people that are brought in almost as like consultants. Yeah, for lack of a better term, and they're brought in to sort of be like right, like help us work out what we're doing with this one, and how do we do this, and how do we do that? Um, but. Yeah, 
I don't know, I lost my train of thought there. But anyway, I just hope that when it comes to making the next one, it's as good as this. Yes. Because yeah. I just had the best time. And I think, you know, maybe it might be, you know, catching lightning in a bottle the same way uh, as, you know, maybe it's I enjoyed it as much as I did because of how much the last one disappointed me. Like, there is an element of that, but there's no getting around the fact that regardless of, you know, if we had to get 2016 to get to this, then it was almost makes it worthwhile, I guess, in a, in a weird roundabout way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but regardless right. of that, this is in and on of its own right. If 2016 never existed, this would still be a good movie. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. even, even though <laughs> there is an element of it, like you're saying, like, you've just had a crap meal, the next meal you have is going to taste great, isn't it? Um, but, yeah. But, that you know, notwithstanding, regardless of that, you know, out of the bubble, this is still a good movie. Um, yes, it is. It's a very good film. It's really fun. All the characters have a laugh, laugh and good time in it. Everyone's having a nice time. There's no bullshit modern cynicism. No, and there is that poignancy, like I say, like, and that's part of the thing that we talked about earlier is that you know, those poignant moments where you know she's building the the um proton pack with the help of her granddad just shining a light on her all that that's there and that's great and the fact that they somewhat undermine it a little bit at the end in my opinion doesn't take away yeah. from it being great in the first place do you know what I mean? yeah like one of my favorite jokes throughout the whole film is 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 in that point yeah when she's like oh you built uh how, how did you how did you know how to do this and he just shines the how light did you know how to yeah. build make a magnetron so small and he just shines it it's like six or, degrees or his degrees because get it you're a genius yeah brilliant I, yeah, yeah i love that i love all that stuff it's great again but i can't also yeah i can't understate how fucking great she is in this by the way like yeah. i want to go back to it again just briefly like the way that she delivers everything the way that she is a is a fully defined character and she's yeah. not you know constrained into any sort of uh modern sort of exploitativeness there's no bullshit wokeness like you say about it you know they're not she's not like i'm a girl she's not standing with one fist in the air like a uh, fight like a girl yeah like they did with transformers yeah. which they didn't pay off i don't know i, don't, I yeah. think that's the one i never saw um uh, yeah but um but anyway yeah, uh, I know. it, it feel, feels natural. She's great. And the other thing that I appreciate that they didn't do, which they often do in these kind of things, is they do the kind of thing where, like, if a if a kid's weird but also like a genius, they therefore has to have to be like autistic. Yeah, and they turn that into a superpower. I'm like, fuck yeah. you, don't do that. That's disrespectful to people who actually do have autism, and they didn't do that in this. Thank fuck. Um, yeah. But or you know, or Asperger's or anything like that, where they actually put a label on it. And they're like, no, people can just be this, and it's not. Yeah, yeah like there's so that, neurodiversity there. Like the, that's the thing. Like she is demonstrably different to everybody around. Yeah, her. and she so says, you know, I says, pro I process emotion differently and stuff like that. But again, that's just well, that's, that could just be a personality trait that you picked up from your granddad. Or exactly. well, obviously, you know, some of it is there's nature versus nurture. Personality traits do get passed on between generations. Yeah, yeah. there's all kinds of shit you could agree with that too. But at no point do they ever make a point of saying that. Oh yeah. I had her assessed by the doctors and they think she's, you know, she's got a personality disorder or, or anything like that. She's on this, but no one says that. I'm really glad they didn't do that because that would have yeah. felt shit if they'd done that. Yeah. I just think it was, everything was really well serviced. Well, do you remember really when they did that in that amazing. fucking, oh, yeah, I just, that just reminded me of Predator. that Predator movie. Yeah. 
Yeah. <sighs> like, oh, the aliens want him because he's autistic and that makes him special or something. Like, oh, fuck it. Which means he's got a superpower. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's not the worst thing about that's that. A, that's how not to do a reboot. And this is how to do a reboot. So, again, there's, there's another <laughs> example. There's another example for how much better this movie is than a lot of the other attempts at this kind of shit, rebooting something from the 80s. Um, yeah, this is how you do it. Anyway, um, I think we can wrap it up. And it's been a good, this has been a good one. Yeah, man. Um, so thanks for listening, Agreed. guys. Um, I think, God damn it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Oh, I've just, oh, I've started oh, now and I'm already regretting it. Fuck me. Um, so <laughs> there's a little bit of a gap now before some big stuff comes out later in the month. We've got Spider-Man and stuff like that coming out and the Matrix. Um, but before we get to that, we've got to go through one last bit of pain. Um, and that is another franchise that I know absolutely fuck all about, but you do. Um, and that is Resident Evil. Yep. So they're doing a reboot of the Resident Evil series um, of films. Um, so they're making a new live action film with a new cast. Um, so what we decided to do, um, or what Tom has told me I have to do, um, is go back and watch the Mila Jovovich uh, Resident Evil movies. Um, yeah, there's six of them. Um, yeah, prob- probably, uh, I, 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 I don't know what to say. There's loads, Fuck. and uh, yeah, so I barely watched any of them. I like vaguely remember some of them. I don't think I've ever actually sat and watched one all the way through. Um, well, I've never played any of the games either, for that matter. So it is I've very played mu- all of them exactly. So it's going to be another franchise on the trot where we're going to have to defer to Tom's um, <laughs> expertise, I'm afraid. Um, to my ego. No, no, no. We're just going to go, does this happen in the games? And does that happen in the games? Does that happen in the games? And she's not in the games, is she? There's going to be a lot of that no. because I don't know anything. So I'm going in cold. Um, but we'll get into that. And then some, somehow over the next week or so, I'm going to have to watch six of those fucking things. Um, but I'll figure it out. Um, so join us for that as we dissect that franchise, which went on far longer than it should have done, um, but is now getting a reboot. Um, and we will talk about that next week um, yes. before the new one comes out. It's going to be a nice time. Oh yeah. It's just, look, it, all well, I'll say it's going to be a time. Let's just, let's just both make a commitment, an on-air commitment now that it will not be a three hour fast and furious special like we did before. I promise nothing. Oh, I can't do that. No. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Right. We'll see you on the next one, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, mate. <laughs> there is a lot to get into with these. Like, oh, well, there... There, there, I mean, there is and there isn't. Like, um, you'll see when you start. Getting on like Ian Glenn's in them. Yeah, he's like the big Sounds bad, isn't he? Behind the whole thing. Sounds like I think. Mm. Uh, yes and no. Mm. So he's. I can't remember if they make him Wesker and then they recast. I think, or, or they do something, but yeah, there's a lot to get into. Uh between the games and the films and i think this is like a good point to do it because we can do one episode on all the old ones and then an episode on the new film and then we'd never have to do it again 
because well, it looks rubbish and I'm pretty sure it's going to be rubbish and yeah. uh, I don't think they're ever going to sort of... No. Yeah. It's might be it. Because they've Although given I, um, I thought they were... W.S. Anderson Monster Hunter now, haven't they? Yeah. Have you watched that yet, by the way? Yeah, it's rubbish. Oh, <laughs> and it's And it's so, like, and I mean, it's incomprehensibly bad. Yeah. It's one and a half films and not at the same time. Right. Like, it's just nonsense. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the film ends. Yeah. And then just keeps going. It, but then it keeps going. <laughs> there are two films in that. And then the stuff that happens in there is just bollocks. Okay. <laughs> 